What I wanted to do is read from uh, Philippians 4. Um, actually, I'm going to read Philippians 4, verse 4 through verse 7. Is George in this class? I couldn't remember. George, yeah, were you the one who came up yesterday? That's right. So yeah, George had come up and said, you know what, this, is, this would be a good verse for you to share. And I was like, you know what, That's forgot about that. So I wanted to give a shout out to George. I wanted to open us uh, up today by hearing, again, truth from God's Word as we all, as I said, have lying hearts. We've all been listening to lies this morning. And so hearing something that's true is vitally important for us and to hear how God's Word speaks to our anxiety. So I'm going to read Philippians 4. You can just listen if you don't want to turn there, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank You for this truth that we can read this morning. Uh, We can thank You that this truth reminds us that You are powerful, that You are in control, that You are over all things. God, I I pray that in the midst of anxieties, in the midst of our stress and our worry, uh, that we could run to You. That we would talk to You. That we would be uh, reminded that that all the, the cares of this world can, in a sense, pass away because we know that You are over all things. Lord, I pray that as we have opened up Your Word uh, this week and as we've talked specifically about uh, the issues, the struggles that we have of living in a broken world, um, I pray that students and leaders and myself, that we all would be reminded of what a treasure Your Word is and how it speaks uh, to living in a broken world and how we can deal with the struggles of um, anxieties that that we deal with each and every day. Father, I pray that You would give us focus now. Uh, everyone is very tired this morning, no doubt. Um, Spirit, I pray that You would help us to wake up and to focus uh, this last day on the, the teaching of Your Word. I pray that You would use Your Spirit to encourage these students as they head back home tomorrow. Um, that You would use this uh, talk to help them deal with their anxieties in a way that honors You. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so uh, if you remember the outline from day one, um, I said today we're going to be talking about this question, how should we deal with our worry? Um, I I want to hopefully just give you some practical ideas of, okay, as you head back home, how how can you deal with the anxieties and the worries of your life? That... The, the blessing of a conference like this oftentimes is it allows us to retreat from our usual lives and to come and to gather with brothers and sisters from all around and uh, to sing praises together. But the bad thing about these conferences is they come to an end. And maybe you're already thinking about some stuff that's going to be back home when you get home. And you're going to be thinking about all of these things that could move you to be more anxious and to be worried. And so I want to hopefully give you some things that that you can take with you and uh, again can help you by God's grace and the Spirit to grow 
uh, in dealing with your worry in a God-honoring way. Um, and, and so some of what I'm, I'm going to be elaborating on, if you remember from day one too, is I talked about hiding in God. I talked about asking you, where do you hide? Kind of elaborating on, okay, what exactly does that mean? As well as, as I've talked about theology of pain, kind of elaborating, okay, what does that mean? Um, so the first thing I want to say is this. You will have to deal with worry. Okay? As we're talking about, okay, how do we deal with our worry? We've got to just acknowledge the fact we're going to have to deal with anxiety. We're going to have to deal with worry. Um, how many of you have seen the, the first Incredibles movie? I would assume most of you uh, in this room have. Okay, this scene here, if some of you can see, uh, at the end of the first Incredibles, when Elastigirl is saving Jack-Jack, and I forgot, is it Syndrome? Is that the bad guy? Okay. And do you remember when Syndrome gets sucked into the jet engine, and the plane starts to explode, and Elastigirl is parachuting, and she's talking to Jack-Jack, and she's like, everything's okay, everything is fine. But Jack-Jack can see this explosion behind her head. Everything like horrible is just behind her. She doesn't even acknowledge that. She's just, everything's okay, everything's fine. Well, I think sometimes we want to have the, the mindset of Elastigirl. That we think to be a Christian, we need to have this false notion of just everything's fine. It's no big deal. You know, don't be worried. It's okay. Listen to me. Everything's not fine. You live in a horrible, broken, disgusting world. Yes, it is beautiful. Okay? It was created by God. There is all sorts of beauty in this world. But it's also poisoned with sin. There are all sorts of horrible things that can happen to you. All sorts of horrible things that can happen to your family. And so we need to acknowledge the fact that we are going to have to deal with things in this life that are very hard. You are going to have to deal with things in this life that are going to tempt you to be anxious and to be worried. But, but I think many of us, when we're talking about our anxiety and we're talking about our worry, we just want to be rid of it. Okay? If we're honest, when we're dealing with anxiety, when we're dealing with worry, if we're honest, we're really saying, God, if you would just deal with this one thing in my life, then I could get on with my life and just be happy. We just want to have fun. We just want to keep going and enjoy comfort and ease. And again, if you remember what we talked about of a theology of pain and suffering, we have this knowledge of the garden in us. It's knowledge of glory. That things should be happy. Things should just be fun. And so that's part of what we're longing for. But in this world, right now, until God calls us home, we're going to have difficulties we're going to have to deal with. And the reality is, too, that we need to be reminded is that sometimes when we're saying, God, would you remove this difficult thing in my life? I mean, think about this one difficult thing in your life that you have. Some of you may have this one thing where you're thinking, okay, God, if you just changed this about me, if you just took this thing away, then everything would be fine. But God knows if He took that one thing away, you'd turn your back on it. 
It could be that one thing that's keeping you clinging to God. Some of us are familiar with the Apostle Paul when he begged with God to remove the thorn in the flesh. And he begged and pleaded with God. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul realized that it was the weakness from that thorn in the flesh that was actually keeping him strong because it was keeping him clinging to God. Realize that some of your worries, some of your anxieties are keeping you clinging to God. And so that's just a practical place in which we need to begin is that you will have to deal with worry. Alright, and then secondly, you should worry. Okay? Now, I know that can sound confusing. You're like, okay, what exactly are you talking about? We've said, do not worry, uh, do not be anxious. Well, look at Matthew 10, 28. It's, it's up here on the screen if you can see it. Jesus Christ says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So not necessarily worry, not necessarily be anxious, but Jesus does tell us to fear. We said that worry and anxiety is a form of fear. I mean, is a form of fear that we are not to have, but Jesus Christ is telling us here that there is an appropriate fear that we should have for the one who can cast our soul into hell. And so, you know, as I talked about hiding in Christ, and what does it mean to hide in Christ? Okay, I'm being careful because they're gonna they're trying to turn up the sound, all of a sudden it might get really loud. So do y'all just tell me when it starts going up a little bit? Um Ultimately, hiding in Christ. Well, let me ask you this question to get at this. Is this starting to work? All right, can you guys hear me? All right, let's give a round of applause to those guys in the back. Okay. Okay, and do you know what? I didn't even plan this, but Joe Deegan's in the other class. He just heard, like, my class got applause. He's going to get really insecure about his class not getting into applause. So um, I can joke him about that later. You'll just walk out, like, weeping and just being like, that was amazing. Um, I'm joking. Okay, let me ask you this question. Listen carefully. Can you hide from God? Yes, you can. Okay? Everybody's like, it's a heretic. Throw your Bibles at them. Um, you hide from God in God. Okay? Listen. If you stood before God just on your own, you would be utterly destroyed. If you're a Christian, by faith, you are in Christ Jesus. So you're hiding, in a sense, from God's eternal wrath in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Did I clarify that you ultimately cannot hide from God? I'm talking about in a sense of salvation, you're hiding in Christ's righteousness. You're hiding in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because as this verse reminds us, fear Him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. There's a healthy fear that we should have about the next life. Please listen to me if you're falling asleep. Every one of you who can hear my voice, you have a soul that is going to live forever. Your soul will either dwell 
in heaven forever or be separated from God forever in hell for eternity. That is a sobering reality. And so the sometimes cliched question that can be thrown out, but we need to think about it is, do you know where you're going when you die? Are you positive that your soul is secured in the, in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Do you truly believe that? Have you truly repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ Jesus? That is not a question to put off until tomorrow. I'll get around to salvation later thinking about that. We need to be thinking about that. You need to be wrestling with that. Again, Jesus is telling us there's a healthy fear that we should have. It's just completely right and appropriate to fear eternal wrath that God holds in His hand because He is good, because He is pure and righteous. And as uh, Caroline Royal, she was in the first elective, she was talking with me, this is an awesome application to be thinking about evangelism. That if you have a friend that you know is not a believer to be thinking about getting to the Gospel or getting at the Gospel through the lens of anxiety and worry. As I told you, every human on the face of the planet is dealing with anxiety and worry. It can sometimes feel uncomfortable for you to to bring the Gospel up or to share the good news of Jesus Christ with your unbelieving friends. But if you know they're struggling with anxiety and worry, that's an avenue for you to get in into their life and have this conversation about the Gospel and to see how the Gospel ultimately deals with our anxiety, deals with our worry and our fears. So just a practical application for you as well as you're headed back home. Be thinking of those friends that you have that are not believers and use this as an evangelistic tool. Third, so we again continue to flesh out this theology of pain. You must have a theology of pain. Uh, there are studies that have said that as, as students you know, grow up and uh, go through high school and go through college, they turn their back on the faith and they leave the church. Um, there have been a, you know, a lot of studies that are telling us that. And there, there could be many reasons for that, but, but one of the, the ways to kind of push back against that, many have said, is we've got to be preparing our students to suffer. That we are not helping you. As I said yesterday, talking about pain and suffering is not just an exciting, encouraging thing. But, but I hope you can see there's a way in which it is encouraging. That the Bible doesn't sugarcoat this life. The Bible prepares you for a difficult life. You know, it's not, hey, come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine. I mean, let's just stop there and say, look at the life of Jesus. Was that an easy life? His best friends betrayed Him and He was nailed to a cross. That's the man you follow. Okay? We, we must expect pain. We must expect suffering. Now look, I wanted to put a gross picture up here just a second. Um... Some of you, if you're in my class last year, y'all, y'all know that I, I had neck surgery. And so it's a picture of my throat split open. No, I'm kidding. It's just a picture of the, the incision after my surgery. If you don't want to look, you don't have to. Um, so I'm putting it up there. Some of you might not even be able to see it all that well. Um, 
But I, I had some nerve issues going on in, in my arm. I was losing feeling in my arm, and so I had a pinched nerve in my vertebra. And so they had to put a metal plate, and they had to remove a disc and put a metal plate in there. Um, and as I've said before, it's the same surgery Peyton Manning had, if any of you heard that. So looking to go into the NFL hopefully next year. Uh, that's the plan. Um, now let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. Do you think that hurt? Yes. Okay, let me already say, it took the first group about five seconds to answer that question. I was like, yeah, okay, this is an easy answer here. Yes, it hurt. And okay, there's a sense in which, yes, I was drugged and I was out of it when they cut my throat open. So yes, I did not feel it. But when I woke up, yes, it hurt. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Were the doctors trying to help me? Okay, again, much faster than the earlier group. So way to go. I mean, you you got to walk around a little bit, so you're a little more awake, okay? What you need to see is we have a theology of pain. I guess I can take that off now. (laughs) Um, God has a purpose and a plan for your pain and suffering. Okay? The doctors literally, I'm not trying to be overly graphic here, they, they literally slit my throat open. They were not trying to kill me. They were trying to help me. But it can sound very graphic when you put it that way. Okay? God uses pain like a scalpel. He's like a surgeon. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And yes, it may hurt. It may cause you to cry. But He's not wicked when He's doing this. He's doing this to help you. He's doing this. There are times where He's going to usher pain into your. He's going to allow pain in your life, and you may not know why in the world He's doing this, but you do know who He is, and you do know He can be trusted. So that's part of having this theology of pain, and so kind of again fleshing this out a little bit more. I mean, one of those purposes is to draw you closer to Him to draw you further into relationship with Him. And how do we have that relationship? It's through God's Word, in one way, and prayer. To have deeper communion with Him. Um, that, that God uses affliction, God uses anxiety, God uses worry to draw you closer to Him. To help you cling to Him. But as I said, so often in life, when pain comes into our life, and again, as we have that knowledge of the garden and the knowledge of glory in us, and we just want to get rid of pain as fast as we can, sometimes something horrible happens and we just get on Instagram to just distract ourselves from the pain. Pain and suffering. We might have a tough day at school where people pick on us and so we just run to YouTube and just try to escape, and just try to find funny videos to numb our pain. We might turn to novels and read just a story to escape the world we're living in and to get into the world of the book that we're reading. There are all sorts of ways in which we can try to escape pain. And as I said, all of those things I listed can be good things that we as Christians can enjoy. But you need to see that God has a purpose for pain. And that purpose is to draw you to Him. To seek ultimate refuge in Him. 
to hide in Him by opening up His Word. I mean, look at Psalm 119.71. And some of you, um, I know you can't see this as well, but if you just write these verses down, you can go back and check them out later. Psalm 119.71, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Now I can read that, you can hear that, that's insane what I just read. It was good for me that I had pain. It was good for me that I had suffering. How many of us can can say that? That sounds crazy to the world. But the psalmist is telling us it was good that he might learn God's statutes, that he might learn His decrees, that he might learn His Word. As a seminary professor of mine said, the Bible wouldn't make sense apart from pain. That pain actually helps us make, make sense of the Bible. That pain is discussed throughout all of Scripture because, again, uh, we're looking at life in a fallen world. And so I would say, as you're possibly struggling with anxieties in your life, you're struggling with worry in your life, please hear me. If you're never in the Word at all, I'm not surprised that you're an anxious person. I am not saying, hey, you open up the Bible and you start to read it and all of your anxieties just disappear and worry just disappears. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that the Word of God does speak to that. And I can just tell you, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized I need the Word of God to survive one day in this world. I'm not saying that that you guys have not suffered or gone through significant afflictions and difficulties in your life. By any means. But but the longer you live and the more uh, afflictions that you deal with, the, the more you realize how badly you need God's Word and what a treasure it is to carry you through this life. Um, and th- this leads us to uh, the next point. Naturally, as we're, Lord willing, getting into God's Word and we're praying to God, it's growing our knowledge of who God is. As Scotty Smith says, we don't just worship the Bible, we worship the God of the Bible. We worship the person, Jesus Christ, that the Bible points us to. There's a famous theologian, uh, John Calvin, some of you might have heard of. He says, to know self, we must know God. And to know God, we must know self. He's saying you cannot fully know who you are without knowing who God is. And then to, to know self, uh, to look at ourselves, we can also better understand who God is. But sometimes it's difficult to, uh, for us to understand righteousness. Well, look at your own heart and the sin that's there to help you understand what righteousness truly is. Um, to think about the darkness of your heart. And sometimes you can say things like that and you can think, ah, you know, I might not be that bad. Well, the, the illustration I always throw out is, okay, imagine if we could take your thoughts for the past week and put them up there on this screen. How many of you would want your thoughts, what you were thinking for the past week, to be up on the screen in front of everybody? None of us, right? So as you reflect on the brokenness of your own heart, that magnifies what perfection is. So that's what John Calvin is getting at when he says, to know self, we must know God. And to know God, we must know self. And this is why Jesus, as He's talking about this Matthew 6 passage that we talked about yesterday, 
When Jesus Christ is talking about anxiety, this is where He ends. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And as we said, look, the most frequent command of God, do you all remember, is what? Anybody remember? Do not fear. More than any other command in Scripture... Some variation of do not fear is the most frequent command that God gave. But here's my question about that. Who cares? Alright? When you're being bullied and picked on at school, when when, when you get on Instagram and you see you, you weren't invited to the party but everybody else was, do not fear. Does that help you in the midst of that? Or even more serious, if your parents are going through a divorce and someone says, well, do not fear. God says, don't fear. Does that help you? And ask that question to to get at this. Maybe that command, do not fear, doesn't really help you because you don't really know God. You see... God is the one proclaiming that command. We've got to be asking, well, who is God? That we shouldn't fear. It would be kind of like this. Look, if your car broke down on the side of the road, and I know, okay, middle school is you cannot drive. Okay, you're in the car with your parents. It breaks down. You pull over on the side of the road. You pop the hood, and smoke is just coming out. And somebody walks up. They're like, hey, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Don't be afraid. You would ask the question, well, who are you? And if the person said, well, I'm a mechanic, you'd say, okay, all right, well, since you're a mechanic, you obviously know a lot about engines, I'm not going to fear, I'm not going to worry. Well, it's the same with God, right? When God is saying, do not fear, you need to rightly say, well, who is this God? And you need to rightly be answering that question by opening up God's Word to see He is good, He is trustworthy, He is all-powerful, absolutely everything, is in His control. So you can believe Him when He says not to fear. And so just asking yourself that question, do you know the God of the Bible? Do you really know Him? Do you trust Him that He is good? Even when pain comes in the midst of your life. The next thing I'd encourage you to do as we're dealing with our anxieties, as we're dealing with our fears, is to look to the future. And I know some of you might be saying, wait a minute, John, didn't you say that our anxiety, much of our anxiety is rooted in the future? That Jesus Christ in Matthew 6 that we read yesterday said, you know, do not worry about tomorrow because there's enough trouble in today. And that oftentimes our worry is based on something that, that might not even happen. You might just be thinking about this could happen and it creates all of this anxiety. But I'm talking us, talking about, you know, as we're, we're struggling with anxiety, talking about struggling with worry, to think about the life to come. To think about, again, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, He has secured an eternity for us. Um, listen to this passage in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. 
Listen, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor pain, nor suffering anymore, for the former things have passed away. When life is tough, when you are alone in your room and you're dealing with all sorts of anxieties and fears that only you know about, to think that there is a day coming when all of that will go away. So again, think about as you're looking at Instagram and you're thinking, why, why didn't they invite me? I'm so nice to them at school and they're so mean to me all the time. But when you're arguing with friends, when friendships, all the relational issues we talked about yesterday are going on, when, when there's serious sickness that you're dealing with in your family or friends, to know there is a day where death is going to be killed, right? Where none of this pain and this suffering will be a daily concern. All of the shame, all of the guilt that you're carrying around is gone. All of the stress... You're not going to wake up and be like, oh no, I forgot to do that paper that's due today. There's none of that anymore. But what we've got to see is the best thing is that Jesus Christ is going to be there. He's the best thing about heaven. As we look to the future, as we think about the future, and we reflect on this eternity that Jesus Christ has secured, hopefully it magnifies the beauty of what Jesus has done. But you have to think, again, as John Trapp was talking last night, that you were enemies of God. You were spitting in God's face, running in the other direction. You were not looking for Him. And yet this man, Christ Jesus, came to this earth and He was tempted in every way you were. He was tempted with all sorts of anxieties. He was tempted with all sorts of worries. I mean, just looking at one place, the Garden of Gethsemane, he was about to have the entire weight of God's wrath poured out upon him for his children. He was about to bear all of that. And yes, he was appropriately fearful of what that would do. He's sweating drops of blood. But it didn't get into an anxious, sinful worry, right? Because he knew his father's character perfectly. He loved his father perfectly. He knew his father is good, his father is righteous, his father is just. But Jesus suffered all of that so that this could be true in your life. So that one day all of the sadness is gone because of what Jesus Christ has done. So in the midst of your anxiety and suffering, you can take joy knowing that yes, this life is great. Yes, this life can be a lot of fun. I hope you've had fun on a week like this at RYM. But this life is a joke in comparison to the next life. Now you can long for that life. And that's part of, again, a theology of pain is, is helping you let go of this world. And to say, come Lord Jesus. And again, the, the longer I live, I'm ready right now to go home. You know, yes, I have concerns about my children, about my wife. But, but there is a longing to be in that next life. It's going to be far greater. And if you're like, well, it's going to be okay, but I'm really excited about this life, you need to be thinking about the next life a lot more and to be reflecting upon what Scripture says. I mean, just taking these verses right here and to thinking, okay, to go through it and say, okay, what makes me cry? 
and start bullet pointing. That's not going to be there. That's not going to be there. That's not going to be there. That's and just start listing it out and just sort of think about what the next life is going to look like. I need to start wrapping this up. But lastly, you need help. Okay. You don't need to act like you've got it all together. Again, you don't need to act like you're not afraid of something. Um, As I talked about from the Genesis 3 passage, one thing we can learn from that is that you are all afraid. And fear and anxiety is under the umbrella of... uh, I'm sorry, anxiety and worry are under the umbrella of fear. So you have all of these anxieties, you have all of these things that you're struggling with, you're, you're dealing with this guilt and the shame that we talked about yesterday. You need to open up and talk to people about that. You do not need to carry the weight of your anxiety by yourself. You do not need to lie and say, I'm not worried about anything, I'm not afraid of anything. You were created for community. You were created for fellowship. You need to be admitting that you need help. Ultimately, you need the church. You need to be a part of the church. And I know that can sound incredibly boring to middle schoolers on the last day of a conference when you're all really tired. If you're honest, many of you get bored by church. But again, the older I've gotten... The, the beauty of God's church has been magnified. I mean, to, to see the design that Jesus Christ died to establish this church and to see how badly you need it. Because, as I said, you need to be talking to somebody about your worries, about your anxieties. Look, some of you aren't going to like to hear this. You need to talk to your parents. You need to open up and say, Mom and Dad, I'm really afraid of this. I really struggle with this. They love you and they want to hear that. But listen to me. I know in a room this size, there are broken homes here. That's the beauty of the church. You have spiritual mothers and fathers that want to know how you're doing. They want to come alongside you in the midst of your anxieties, in the midst of your worries. So some of those spiritual mothers and fathers are the volunteers on this trip that came with you. They're the youth workers that came with you. You can open up to your friends because just as pain is like a scalpel in God's hand that He uses in helpful ways, pain is also in the hands of the evil one. We know from Scripture the evil one's on a leash. God has him on a leash. But Satan wants you to keep your anxiety to yourself, to keep it in the dark because he wants to destroy you. But as soon as you lean on others and you begin to open up, and obviously, first and foremost, as I said, open up to the Lord. Go to the Lord with your anxieties, with your suffering, but opening up to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to your parents, to your, your, your youth workers and, and friends. So I know uh, we're wrapping this up. I tried to wrap this up a little bit sooner. We had some of those tech issues that um, made it go uh, a little bit longer. But I wanted to leave a little bit of time for some questions before I close this out in prayer, uh, anything that was unclear that I said, uh, anything that you just might have questions about, any heresy that I need to clear up and uh, make sure uh, that you understand, uh, just a few more minutes before I close out. I'm going to 
I'm going to throw it out there, and then when it gets quiet, you're all going to have anxiety about, oh, I hope somebody says something, and we're not all going to sit here in silence. But you already had your hand up. Can you repeat the part about the hiding of God? Can you the part you have about? trying to remember which. I said a lot of things. Are you talking about just... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, ultimately, okay, if we go back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they tried to hide from God. They sowed fig leaves to cover themselves. God gave them a better covering, which was the animal skin. Ultimately, we know the animal skin was pointing us to Jesus Christ, as we talked about. And so we can say that Jesus Christ is where we can ultimately hide. Jesus Christ is the sure refuge for God's wrath. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of somewhat confusing trying to confuse you slightly to get you maybe to wake up. But does that sound clear to everybody? Does that sound heretical? Anybody? Yes, it does sound heretical. Jesus, His sacrifice is more of a cover than rather than like you're hiding, like legit, you're just like hiding from God. But yeah, yes. Cover. Yes, maybe a yeah, better way to put it. They were clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, yeah, and the finished work of Christ. That our, you know, sin, filth was nailed to the cross, and then Christ's righteousness was given to us. Um, is that be- is that helpful? Is everybody clear on that? Thank y'all for asking. Yeah, that that's something to be clarified for sure. Any anything else before I close some prayer? Yes. I'm sorry, can you... Is worry a sin? Yes. Biblically speaking. You remember I gave some of the disclaimers at the beginning of talking about some of the physiological things that might actually cause anxiety. If somebody has a heart arrhythmia, for example, your heart's going to be faster and that might make you feel more anxious because that's an aspect of, of anxiety. And so I want to be careful... Using scriptural language, talking about anxiety, talking about worry, yes, it's a sin. But also an important distinction is concern is something different. That because we live in a fallen world and because you love and care about other people, you're going to be concerned about things that could could possibly happen. Um, You know, so I mean, just an example... My oldest child, she's not going to be driving for a few years, but Lord willing, when she can drive, I'm going to make sure that she practices for a while, that she you know, goes through the proper steps, because I have a, a real concern, like something bad could happen when I give the keys of the car to my child. So yes, if I just obsess every time when she gets behind the wheel of a car, that could be anxiety, and that could be worry, and that could be sinful. But if I just have, okay, God, I'm putting my first child behind the wheel of a car. Um, You're in control. I've tried to train her and prepare her, but I'm not going to just dwell on that. That's more concern. Was that clear? Does that help everybody, leaders? Do you all think that was clarifying? So there is a difference between concern and worry. That was a long way of saying that. Um, Any other questions? Yes. You said, okay, okay, gotcha. Alright, I'm going to close this out in prayer if there's nothing else. And y'all can come up afterwards if anybody has any other questions. Father, we thank You again uh, for the, the gift of Your Word. We thank You for the treasure of Your Word. We thank You that Your Word does not sugarcoat this life. That it 
gives us a realistic picture of the pain, of the suffering, of the affliction that we will deal with, but we see that You are with us in the midst of it and You promise to never leave Your children. I pray that um, You would grow our love uh, of You, that You would use the, the struggles, the pain of this life to draw all of these students, to draw these leaders, to draw myself into a deeper relationship with You, that we would cling to You in the midst of our anxieties and our, our worries. Uh, that You would help us to deal with them in a God-honoring way. That You would help us uh, to repent of them, as we have said, that at the root of worry and anxiety, it, it's, a, uh, it's a lack of belief in You. It is saying You are not in control. And so we, we must repent of that. And we must trust that You are in control. So, so I pray that first and foremost, in the, the midst of these anxieties that we have, that we would grow the beauty of the Gospel, the beauty of who You are as our Father. And, and I pray that we all would see that Your Word does possess a supernatural power to grow us in the midst of these anxieties, uh, to help us deal with them in a way that brings honor to You. So be with these students as they head back home. Help them to to grow by Your grace. Help them to have a blast the rest of uh, today. And give them safe travel as they head back home tomorrow. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.